Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 82nd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. And what we're going to talk about today is teens and vaping and what moms should know. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to know if there are any moms out there wondering how they are going to get through this year, how to keep your head above water, how to keep sane in this semester with all this fallout from covid the chaos of school, kids and spouses working from home. Anybody sick of drama with their teens or even spouses? Any moms out there feeling exhausted already and the new school year has just begun? Any moms out there who'd love a place to be honest about how you're really feeling with other moms who get it? Well, I have a wonderful opportunity for you. And you'll have to act quickly because next Monday, September 21st, my Power Your Parenting program is going to start. This is a seven-week program where you will hear from me every day for 49 days with a great lesson full of practical advice in audio or PDF. You will also be able to connect every week with other moms and myself. If you have gotten value from my podcast, then you will know how valuable it will be if I can personally coach you right now for seven weeks. This isn't just information. This program will change your life and change your relationship with your teen. I have been launching this program for 10 years, and every time I see moms leave the program encouraged, energized, empowered, and they've experienced a connection with their teens that they didn't think was possible. If you are interested, email me right away. This is for a small group and will be the last time I'll be offering this program this year. It will fill up. So email me at Colleen, two L's, two E's, at dialdownthedrama.com. Again, Colleen, two L's, two E's, at dialdownthedrama.com. Okay, so you are going to find that this podcast is really informative and eye-opening. Our guest today, Dr. Walker, is a leading researcher in studying vaping and Juul and all things nicotine. She really knows her stuff. And she's also a mom of two teenagers. I'm so excited. We have a wonderful guest today. Dr. Walker is a professor in the Department of Communication and part of the Christine Lee Brown Evirome Institute at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. For over 20 years, her work has explored the interaction between health and interpersonal communication looking at how people perceive the social world surrounding health issues. Her research primarily focuses on health, family, and interpersonal communication. Specifically, her research examines how people talk and behave when an illness is present, how people perceive healthy lifestyles, and how people perceive and communicate about risky health behaviors such as tobacco. With the American Heart Association's Tobacco Regulation and Addiction Center, Dr. Walker has researched youth perceptions surrounding tobacco use. So welcome, Dr. Walker. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad to be here today. 
This is going to be something that I think every single mom on here is going to be wanting to listen to this for sure. So is e-cigarette use or vaping an issue for teens? Well, that's a really good question. And um, as I'm thinking about tobacco and I'm thinking about e cigs and I was listening to the introduction again, I was, I was thinking maybe I should back up a step and just explain what vaping is or e-cigs are. Um, I know a lot of parents are already quite aware of it, but yeah. um, just for just to have some baseline knowledge so that when we move forward, we're all using the same language. So when I talk about vaping, I'm talking about the inhaling and exhaling of aerosol that is produced by an electronic vapor device. So something that heats up and it has a liquid in it, has something that's going to heat up and we inhale it and then we exhale it. We have its own language system, which is quite it's extraordinary because we've only had e-cigs since around 2006. So we don't know a lot about e-cigs just because they haven't been around. I mean, we're only, we're in 2020, so 14 years of this. So we don't have the long longitudinal research that we have on cigarette smoking or tobacco use in general, but we can start looking at what's going on with e-cigs and teens because we know that this is an issue. We're yeah. seeing more and more teens use it year after year. The rates of e-cig use just keep going up. Um, in some of the latest research that has been out, in it was between January and March, um, we do a tobacco, a national tobacco study of youth. And we got cut off because of COVID, if you can imagine, because usually it's the data collection is longer. But in 2020, just in those first few months, we're already seeing another year of spiking of e-cig use. Wow. So even though I can say, wow, it's really great because now we see fewer youth and young adults using cigarettes, guess what? We've just replaced it with a different product. So we're now using vaping, we're using jewels, we're using these electronic cigarette devices, and that is increasing. I'm going to give you a startling statistic. So in 2020, we have about 20% of our high school youth that have used e-cigarettes. And when we're talking about using, we're talking about um, they've used it within the last 30 days. Mm. Okay, now that's startling enough, but when we go into middle school, so we're looking at sixth to eighth graders, we're looking at about a 5% that are using e-cigs regularly. Wow. This is startling that wow. parents should be like raising their eyebrows going, wait a second, what's going on here? Why are teens using this? What are they? How, how are they doing this? Yeah, yeah. So, um so why do you think they're using it? Is it because of peer pressure or is it because they like it? Or why do you think it's such, the percentages are so high? Yes, to all of everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one, I think it's because they can get away with it. It's discreet. I mean, if we look at um, e-cigs or vaping or jewel products in them of themselves, most parents wouldn't even be able to pick them out of a crowd because they're yeah. hidden. They look like USB drives. They, um, they're hidden in the, um, what are the, the straps of a hoodie so that a student or a youth could just vape right from their hoodie. It's in their shoelaces. It's in their backpacks. We can hide it in a smartphone now. I mean, there are so many ways to hide these products. Um, if you think about probably parents and their grandparents, 
if they tried smoking, they got caught because it could smell it on them. And you can't hide a pack of cigarettes. Now we can hide these vaping products. And so parents, kids are getting away with it because it's so discreet. To get to your question a little bit more, um, we also know that flavors are a big, um, they initiate that process more. They're curious. So we have a curiosity about what does this really look like? And it's fun because we start seeing the correlation between marketing and vaping. So when you see names like um, fun gummy on a Sunday morning, they're like, oh, what does that taste like? Or they can... They correlate the names of pina colada, and they're like, I need to try that. So flavors have been a big piece of the initiation process into e-cigs. It's one of the reasons why the FDA is now cracking down on flavors, because it has been the appeal to youth. Um, So one of the other pieces that why youth are using, so we have um, they're discreet, they can hide them. the flavors. Let's just talk about nicotine in and of itself. Okay. Nicotine is a drug that is highly addictive. We all know that. But why is it addictive? Because in youth especially, you get a head rush. You get that that sensation of that all the good stuff that's going on. So you you feel better, you you think clearer, you get that rush going. And then that's addictive. Not only is the chemical addictive, but that rush is addictive. So another reason why youth are using, because they don't even realize they're getting addicted to it. We have to make sure that we keep reinforcing. This is a highly addictive um, product that even when they want to quit, their brains may not allow them to quit anymore, that it is so addictive. And especially, this is why it's important for parents to talk to their youth now and their young adults, because up until age 25, their brains are still developing. So if they are using nicotine, what they're doing is rewiring their brains and rewiring it in an, an unhealthy way, in a way that we can't reproduce those good reward systems like yeah. nicotine does, but yeah. nicotine, that reward system wears off. I keep talking. Um, I'll just say the last one are the tricks. And you can do tricks with um, vaping. And that's one of the appeals to it. You do, um, yeah. you inhale it and you get a big cloud of smoke and then you exhale and you can do tricks with the clouds, the the puffs. Uh. of, And so that's appealing because now you have a novelty. Um, you have a party trick that you can show off. Uh, Okay. Lots of different reasons why it's appealing. Absolutely. So about how early do do kids experiment with vaping, would you say? Well, we start measuring them in middle school. We do have a few studies that look at elementary school age, and we already see experimentation happening in elementary school age. Mm. Usually those are also, um, we're looking at those very young population. We're looking at um, young adolescents who have access to it. So their parents vape or they have some sort of direct contact that they're able to get it. By the time um, youth are in middle school, we can see that they have their own connections to get the products. Uh, I got it. So like talking to teens, you know, they'll say things like, Um, Well, I mean, I'm vaping, but I'm not using nicotine or I'm vaping, but I'm just using a really low dose of nicotine. So it really isn't like a big deal. What would you say to that? 
Um, nicotine in any form and any dose is bad for you. Um, there's no healthy amount of nicotine um, that is good for you. I would. Uh, I think you're getting at one of the largest myths that we have about vaping. It's that we heard it, and this was marketed to us. Now, let's let's not deny this effect of marketing. It was marketed as a sensation tool. So we are hearing the language system that says, this is better for you. Yes. We're never saying that this is good for you, but we're saying it's better for you. So our brains automatically think, oh, I'm not smoking, so it's not that bad, right? Right. But it is. And even when um, we're looking at products that they're inhaling and exhaling, the FDA may have said, this is safe for you to consume. Like you can eat it, you can drink it. But they've never said, once you heat up this product and inhale it, it's safe. Mm. So mm. we're, it's, a, it's a really interesting language system of how we, we use products and, and how we justify our use of them. Yes. Now, this is so, so good. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, I think a lot of the misperceptions with the teens is like cigarettes are addictive, but vaping isn't. Absolutely. And it's better for your lungs if you're vaping. Oh, Yes, we've heard that one a ton. It's just, I, I'm only using it and in inhaling and exhaling. I, it's not even getting to my lungs. I mean, we've heard so many of these um, myths that in our interviewing and in our focus groups that it's, a, it's the perpetual motion. If I say it, then it gets out there and other people will say it. So that peer group, the peer influence you're talking about, it's like, they're listening to their peers. We know that by the time they're teenagers, they're listening to their peers more than they're listening to their parents. We wish yeah. it weren't so, but they're listening to the peers. Yes. So if the peers have false information, they're just buying into it as well. Yes, yes. Um, so what advice do you have with talking with teens about vaping for these moms? I mean, how do they talk to their teens about vaping? It's a really good question because it's hard and there's no easy way. For one, like I said, the products themselves have only been out for just a short amount of time. We don't have longstanding cessation programs that we can just go, okay, now I know that I need to go to this website and look at all this information. So a lot of this is being built as we are experiencing it. We don't have those long models to follow. But one of the things that we know from um, the research that we have on this is that we have to understand their whys. Instead of going into it, you can't use this, you shouldn't use this, and all the reasons, understand why they have or ask them in more generic ways of Tell me why your friends are using it. Why are they experimenting it? What's appealing to it? So they get to understand the whys before they have to explain the why nots. So, mm -hmm. and I think moms and dads, they really need to educate themselves on what is a vaping product and what is it doing to their child? A lot of, you you said this um, earlier, they just don't know what the, the health effects are going to be of vaping. They think it's healthy. They think it's just water vapor. It's not just water vapor. There are a lot of chemicals that are being heated up and being put into their system. Mm. Even small amounts of nicotine, if they get addicted to either the behavioral process of vaping or the nicotine itself, it's going to 
rewire the brain in a way that they're going to be more likely to use cigarettes later in life, later as well. So now they're going to become a dual user. So going back to your question, why should parents or how do parents talk to their teens? Figure out the whys so that you can figure out how to approach them. The other piece is you may really need to have a medical professional involved in the conversation if you see that there's an addiction, because it's they may really want to even try to quit and they can't. So they may need to have some medical help to try to quit this addiction. Right. I, and I had written that down. I was going to ask you this is, so I'm sure, yeah, you've talked to tons of teens about this, but when, when would you say, what are the warning signs that they're addicted to vaping? So some of the things that we look for for addiction or if parents are looking for, is my child experimenting with this? Have they tried it? Are they doing this on a regular basis? It's harder to tell if they've just experimented with it, but we do know some signs to look for if they are using on a regular basis. One of the tell signs is coughing more. Um, If you have a child who is an athlete and all of a sudden is getting winded during their sports practices, that's another sign. Um, If they are, how how far down they are on the addiction path, we do know that there are some issues with their mouth drying out, their nasal passages drying out. So they may get more nosebleeds than they usually would. Mm. They would also crave more intense flavors because now with the drier mouth, they are, they need more. So they may be craving salt more or just more flavors like salt and spice more than they usually would. The one that we're seeing now with COVID is that we know that people that are using e-cigs or have a higher chance of COVID infection, the lung infections. One of the reasons is we're seeing that lungs can't clear themselves out. So our immunity, our immunity system, um, and vaping turns off the immunity system in the lungs. So it just makes it harder for the lungs to do their jobs. So we're, now we're seeing if your child is getting more lung infections, getting more um, reoccurring pneumonias, anything that has to do with the lungs, that would be another sign that they are using on a regular basis. Yeah. So go, I, I like your, and this is like amazing information. So Going back to the why, yes, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that would be my approach as a therapist is is knowing why they want to do it and who they're doing it with and uh, all of that. But what information in terms of the why not, I know it's not like, you know, stop it. But if they were going to give them information, what would you, like, what would they tell their teens? Like, this isn't a good idea. Um, I don't want you to vape because... It's such a good question in the sense of like, my brain is going like, there are three or four major things I want to say here. One is I think that they want to explain to their teen that teens overestimate how many people are using it. So they might think that they, I want to use a vaping product because I want to be cool or be seen as cool or other people are doing it. So it's more normalized behavior. It's normal to do this mom as a teen, Everybody's vaping. Everybody's vaping. Everybody's doing it. But what happens in research is we overestimate those that use behavior. So once a parent can break down and say, I don't think that that's accurate, like really dissolve what they're saying in a sense with research. 
not all teens are using it on a regular basis. A lot of teens have tried it, but not all are using it. So we can't normalize this behavior. So if they're doing it because it's a normal behavior, we have to um, shift their perspective to show that it's not a normal behavior. I would also say that we need to um, give our teens very specific research. Like teens want to know, like, not just because you told me to, mom, I'm not going to just stop because you told me to. As a therapist, you know, that rarely works. I mean, it works with our toddlers. (laughs) It does not work with our teens. I have two teenagers. It doesn't work. But what they are rational beings. I mean, they're still developing and they have irrational moments, but they are rational beings. If they have the research, if they have the understanding of here's what's actually happening when you vape, here is, here's what's happening to your lungs. Here's what's happening to your brain receptors. Here's what's going on. If you get addicted to nicotine, here's what's going to happen to you. So just arming yourself with facts that allow your teen to say, This isn't an emotional issue for my parent. This is a cognitive issue. This is a health explanation. Then they can mull it over. And from research, there is very little that says teens just automatically go, yeah, that's right. That sounds great. Going to stop tomorrow. They may have to have some time to think about what you've said. And because now what the parent has said has countered what their friends have said, what they already believe. So we need some time and you need at least six different points of conversation that say, let me give you another piece of information. And then, but listening more than talking, as you know, will help that as well. So what are some of the research that you told your own kids? They hear me talk about e-cigs and vaping a lot and to the point where they, (laughs) it becomes a game for us. Um, One of, I had my oldest daughter in the car and, she had a friend in the car with her and she was like, Oh my gosh, this guy was vaping in the hall of the high school. Now this was last year when they were still in high school or still in the halls. And my daughter rolled her eyes and she goes, Oh my God, please don't get my mom started on e-cigarettes again. Because (laughs) I interject vaping and nicotine pretty regularly. Um, but that's what I do. I would, for parents that, um, are looking for, little tidbits. I would talk about nicotine. I would talk about how before the age of 25, they are more likely to get addicted because their brains are still developing. So if you introduce nicotine into a developing brain, it is going to cause some serious health effects. Not only is it premature aging, um, to cardiovascular disease. And that's what the Environment Institute is really looking at, is looking at the connectors to cardiovascular disease and nicotine and tobacco use. We think of lung cancer and most teens would say, oh, I don't smoke because you get lung cancer. But what they're not looking at is actually you're going to have more issues with your heart too. You're going to have cardiovascular issues um, prematurely, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see, is vaping safer than cigarettes? So this is that language system that, um, we were talking about earlier. If we are going to do just a hardcore comparison, yes, they are 
safer, if you could see it, I'm putting that in quotation marks, because we know that cigarette smoking is the deadliest form of tobacco use across the board. We've known that for a really long time. We don't know the health effects of vaping yet, but we do know that um, more and more research is coming out that it is showing signs of the same use of, as cigarettes. So we're starting to see things like the coughing, the chest pain, the fever, diarrhea, the flu-like symptoms. We're starting to see long-term cardiovascular disease. We even have um, a, a new set of illnesses, and we call them Evoli. And this is e-cigarette and vaping product associated use lung infection, E-V-A-L-I. Because there are so many issues with vaping now that it has its own set of illnesses and symptoms and um, diseases and infections that we have to group them together. Wow. 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 Um, So what is the connection between vaping and using other tobacco products? So if we look at people's use behavior, we know that if you are vaping, you will be more likely to be a dual user or even a poly user, meaning that you will start using a second product or a third product. If we look at people that, and this would be more the parents, this is not how youth start out. Youth start out now with vaping products. We're seeing those numbers skyrocketing, less use of cigarettes. The parents, the moms, um, the dads are probably, they started out with cigarettes. And they're like, I'm going to quit smoking, so I'll use an e-cig instead. And they may have even stopped using cigarettes for a time and only used the vaping product. But what happened over time is then they brought back the cigarettes. So now they're a dual user. They can use their cigarettes when they are able to smoke, whether that's physically in their environment able to smoke. And now they can vape even in environments they may not tolerate cigarette smoking. So they become dual users. Wow. Wow. So I'm kind of building on that. What's the difference between e-cigarettes and jewels? E-cigarettes are the generic term for all products, um, the e-cigarette delivery system. Juul is a product that has the corner market on this, that they even have their own language system. And you know when a product has its own language system, that it has become part of our culture. So we may say that you, you use e-cigarettes and you are vaping, but now with Juul as its own product, and it's just a type of e-cigarette, it's a cartridge pod-based um, e-cig. This pod-based has its own language system. So now I, am, I Juul, I'm Juuling. So not only is it a product, but it's how we use the product is associated with its name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because that marketing works, doesn't it? It really does. Because it's like, oh yeah, jewels are like, that's what I'm hearing from all the teens is jewels more than the e-cigarettes. So it's, is that what you see kind of that's gotten really popular with the teens? Yes. We're seeing more people use jewel than other products. In fact, um, some of the latest research said that if with young adults, teens and young adults, that it was around, it was a little over 60% were using Juul products. So they have um, their stamp on this market. Now, Juul has said, okay, we are no longer going to have our marketing like we used to. I mean, because they mirrored a lot of what traditional tobacco did 
And in their early days, Jewel was using um, social media in a way that parents weren't aware of. So they were purchasing social influencers to use their products. So teens were watching all of their favorite YouTubers and favorite TikTokers and all the Instagram, all the people that they would just normally watch. Oh, now they're using this product. I, I, I need to try this out. I need to look at it. So they are making that normalized behavior, whether it was normal or not. They think it's normalized behavior. I will yeah. say Jewel has shut that down. That does not mean that teens are just like, oh, I can't get it now. Teens are still able to purchase this. It's just they are being sneakier about it. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going back to what you said in terms of the flavors, I, I remember like just learning about a lot of the marketing around alcohol and tobacco use and the vaping and all that is I know for alcohol using flavors that are almost kid-like that mm-hmm. would kind of attract younger and younger audiences and that they know the earlier they can get them addicted, the more money they can make. Absolutely. Is, have you, is that true? There's a lot of research that looks at the younger we start, the longer you have at being addicted to this product. Now, a lot of the e-cig companies say, no, we're a cessation tool. We are not in the business of getting new products, or, you know, new people addicted to our product. But that's just not how we're seeing it. Yeah, yeah. From, like looking on the outside, looking in. We have teens now that are addicted to nicotine. We're addicted to the Jewel product. We're addicted to like all, trying out all the different flavors. And we know that certain flavors are even more harmful than others. So there are um, a lot of the reds, like cinnamon, it has even more health um, effects than other flavors. Wow. Um, But looking at the names, uh, we did a project um, a few years ago looking at the names and why people were interested in certain flavors. And it came down to, but I wanted to try Explosive Spider. I just thought the name was cool. I didn't really care. Besides that, if I put that to the side, we know that um, the flavors and and certain flavors are more um, appealing to others. um, Let's see. We have the fruit and candy that alcohol names that were um, menthol and mint that were very popular um, and one of the reasons why they wanted to try it. So we're looking at all of these different ways of kids like, well, I just wanted to try this one flavor. I wanted to try what chocolate candy bar tasted like. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So the, I mean, how would you, how would you kind of talk about the difference between like a kid who's just kind of experimenting with a, with a jewel or vaping or someone who I'm going to go back towards the addiction part. That is really uh, like a constant user. What is that? What, what do those look like? There are very few people that are addicted that would just say, I really set out to be addicted. No, it just, it happens. So people that are just experimenting are fooling themselves because as soon as our brain starts getting the the rush, we get addicted not only to the product, but we're getting addicted to that feeling that it gave us. And we're mm-hmm. always searching for that feeling again, every time we, we get that product. So if we have someone that is just experimenting, the sooner you can stop that, the better, because it, it will not take many tries before they're addicted. 
They're just, it's, it's playing with fire, just experimenting. But it's not like some of the other hardcore drugs, like where you do try it one time and you are addicted. There are people just like we have with cigarettes that are called chippers that they can try it and they just never hit that threshold of becoming addicted. There will be people that do they jewel or they um, are vaping that never become addicted, but it is, I don't want to play with lives of young adults. Yeah. And what you said, and I want to just highlight that back. I want to just highlight what you said is that, I mean, I've heard that nicotine is one of the most addictive drugs of all. Yes. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, with a young brain, it's even, it's even more severe. Right, because they become dependent, like in, in terms of that's related to the dopamine, isn't it? Yeah, we can look at different chemicals. Dopamine is um, one of them. A lot of people used to think it was serotonin, but it's really not the serotonin. It's the dopamine and um, a few other chemicals that get we get a high from. All the feel good we get. We yes. It's that rush of like, life is great. I got this. It's even, um, they think clearer. There's a clarity to their thinking. So you can see why it would be appealing to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what but, happens then, we don't get those reward systems over time. It, they disappear. Right. So what I, I've heard is that they become dependent on outside sources mm-hmm. of dopamine like the nicotine. Yes. And their own brain stops producing it. Yes. Is that correct? That is, that, that is, there's a lot of research that points to that. So that it takes a, a while for their bodies to readjust, to be able to produce that. It's one of the reasons when we see people come off cigarette smoking or vaping or juuling, juuling, that they become really anxious and they get really sad. It's because they're used to something else helping create that. We all need those chemicals. We all need to feel good. But if you're getting it from the outside source, like you're the external, you take that product away. It's not only that you're addicted to the nicotine, you're, you no longer are able to produce what you need to produce just to feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone is coming off of the vaping, mm-hmm. what would they ex- experience? You're kind of... It, um, you were kind of talking about that. Like what, what are some of those withdrawal symptoms? So some of the withdrawal, we're going to start seeing higher anxiety. You may even see um, a bit of weight gain after they come off of it because they are used to the adrenaline. They're used to the, the higher metabolism that the vaping, and it also reduces your appetite. So you may see some weight gain. It's the same with cigarettes too, though. All the reasons why people come off cigarettes, like um, they have higher anxiety, higher depression, higher, um, they, they weight, have weight gain. Um, they are not able to think as clearly as they once they did on the product. It's as if we came off a high and not only like, oh, I'm just going to go to a baseline. No, our body crashes and we have to relearn what that baseline is going to be. So if moms have kids that they think, I mean, are using it a lot and, and, and do want to get off and they need help, what would you recommend? Make an appointment with their physician immediately. Talk to their pediatrician um, to see what products are available to them. And also I would ask the parents to talk about counseling or therapy with their child as well, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. not only is there going to be a physical 
addiction to the, the, the chemicals, but there's also going to be a behavioral component to it. I used to be able to, um, have, a, we used to call them smoke breaks. I go outside and have a smoke break. We, it's like a meditative moment. So kids are doing this behaviorally with their vape. I just need to like chill out for a moment. I just need to, you know, have a moment. Well, that's a behavioral piece of it that they're going to have to work through with a therapist to identify where those behaviors were and what they can do to change those behaviors. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Because like if, if I'm working with, with some teens, um, yeah, there's a lot of pieces to it, like the peer pressure. Um, and it's a lot of it, like you just said, is around how do you cope with the anxiety? Right. Because um, a lot of times they're just trying to chill out. They're just trying to calm down and they, mm-hmm. they reach for the jewel to do that. Absolutely. And, and then I think part of the therapy can be helpful of what can they replace that with? And so I would work with like healthy, healthy coping mechanisms, but they have to have something to replace it because it's become a, a big part of their life. Absolutely. And probably bigger than their parents realize this is where that parent support would really come into play, making yeah. sure that the parents aren't just berating them for not being able to get over this addiction. Oh, that's that, a good point that parents really have to be supportive and understand that this is going to be a process and that they're going to need more support than the teen realizes. Yeah, no, this is great. What I love about what you're saying is, and I think parents and moms who are listening to this is, is do not look at your teen as a bad kid if they vape or jewel. Absolutely. They, they're just part of a culture and they are, our kids are being targeted by marketing companies to make a lot of money. Absolutely. And, um, and so your job is to un- kind of understand how they kind of got in that, but, and then kind of with a lot of grace, help them walk out of it. Oh, that, I love that language with a lot of grace. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this has been so helpful. Is there uh, anything that we haven't talked about? Um, any last wisdom that you would like to share with us? Or is there anything you can share that would encourage the moms who are listening? I would encourage moms to just keep setting the good example that our kids are looking at us. They Everybody knows that, oh, you have the little eyes looking at it. We hear that all the time. But whether it is consuming too much alcohol, vaping, or um, doing a, a smoking cigarettes, that behavior, we know long-term research, if parents are engaging in vaping or engaging in cigarette smoking, the kids are more likely to do it because they learn that it's okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Set a good example. There you go. There you go. Um, well, I love that you're the one who's talking about this since you have two teens. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's why I really love your podcast because I'm, I'm learning like, oh, I need to be thinking about that other, like uh, the language system that I use with my teens or uh, different topics that I had no idea. So that's, I really do love your podcast for that. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Walker. This has just been great. It's been oh, well, so Thank great. you for having me today. Um, okay. If, if they have questions or if they need resources, what would you suggest? 
I would, um, they are more than welcome to email me and I will give them direct resources. Um, I like a lot of the um, CDC resources when it comes to tobacco and vaping. I, the Truth Initiatives quitting program is getting some really good results right now. Uh, so I would look at the CDC um, but and the Truth Initiative, but otherwise um, they can email me and I will send them to different resources that we have. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.